Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. So I'm really looking forward to speaking today to Bridget Williams. Bridget is the founder of Beat and Proceed, a social enterprise working to educate people about the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals and inspire action towards them through creativity. Alongside this, Bridget is also one of the youngest elected Christchurch City Council community board members. Bridget studied law, classics and political science originally, and while at uni was president of the Student Volunteer Army, before she then spent the first few years of her career at Duncan Cottrell as a solicitor. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Bridget's career journey to date. Kia ora, Bridget, and thank you very much for joining me. Kia ora, Anna. Wow, what a beautiful introduction. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. That's you, and I look forward to hearing more about it. <laughs> I'm like, who is this? Who is this person that's had many lives? <laughs> Uh, but sometimes people say that they're like, oh, when you sort of wrap it all up nice and tidily in a, a neat package, it sounds, yeah, it sounds great, but, but that absolutely is you. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about it. But I guess first of all, I'd love to start a little bit further back than even where we got to with that introduction. And when you were growing up, maybe as a kid or even as you were getting into your teenage years, what careers were you thinking about, dreaming about, or even aspiring to? Yeah, gosh, Anna, that's a good question. I did give it some thought and I believe the earliest memory I have of a career had to do with Batman. Because <laughs> Batman, he was like, I didn't have dolls when I was younger, but I did have a Batman action figure. And I remember wanting to be Batman at some point in my very, very early childhood. Naturally, that wasn't an attainable career goal. So <laughs> that evolved. And then I remember when I was sort of in my teenage years, I really found my love of creativity and the arts. And for a while, I wanted to be a novelist or an artist, look into basically explore some of that more creative side of a potential career. And then I also kind of felt like that wasn't an attainable goal either. And from that, went on to do law because I did see law as being a natural step to something that still exercises that creative problem-solving part of the brain. There's still a little bit of like theatrical play that has to happen when you're presenting in court, the ability to command an audience. So yeah, it had definitely been, it's been an interesting journey, but the beads, <laughs> the bead and proceed part, that was not something that I had considered when I was younger. Yeah, really interesting. And I think sometimes people think that their careers somehow have this nice flow from you decide what you want to do when you're 16 and that's it, you pursue that. And that's that's not my experience of most people no. is that actually they weave around a little bit and you find your way through the experiences that you have. But interesting to hear that there was that creative element already in you, perhaps as a teenager, even though you chose to then pursue law as, as your degree. And tell me about some of your first jobs that you that you had what did you learn from some of those yeah so once again it wasn't linear 
But I remember one of my first jobs was working at a local cafe, the Preservatory. Fantastic first job. Highly recommend getting some exposure into the hospitality because it really gives you thick skin. People love their food. You know, they're very protective about it. So I highly recommend getting into, you know, having hospo as just trying it out because you do have to deal with a range of different people and understand customer service and it's quite fast paced. But then when me and my twin sister, because I'm actually a twin, we were lucky enough to land a really cool job when we were in high school with the very lovable television kids show, What Now? And that was really wild because, you know, not a lot of young people our age got the opportunity to be on television. But we were the Vitaly twins on the show for about three years, I think. And live television, oh man, I learned a lot because with live television, you have to be very nimble. You have to think on your feet. Um, you have to, you know, adapt to any situation. And you also have to have this energy that can transcend from camera to people's living rooms. So those sorts of skills have been really helpful for Beat and Proceed when I deliver workshops and facilitate with teams. Yeah, great. And it's interesting to see what now has been such an institution in New Zealand for a long time. I remember yeah. watching it growing up. And one of the other, my other podcast guest, Stacey Morrison, started her career, I think, on what now as well. So interesting. I didn't know that about you. And what was it then? You said you sort of made the, the, the choice around law, partly because it was intellectually challenging, but also had that problem solving, creative, even theatrical element. So you ended up studying law and then actually went to work as a solicitor. You know, what was the path into pursuing law as a career? Yes, great question, Anna. So the path into pursuing law, yeah, it was one where it was sort of a process of elimination because I didn't feel like have a path towards a career that was creative. I felt like society and my family and school, like what does a creative career look like? And I really liked English and I loved history, was very interested in the black civil rights movement. We studied at history at my school and coming back to this theme of Batman, justice, that sort of thing. So I saw law as being a career that ticked all those boxes. And it was also a little bit of proving to myself and others that I could do it because I was seen as this creative kid, but creativity wasn't something that was necessarily celebrated in my family. In fact, it was sort of seen as you were either creative or you were intellectual, you know, your right side or left side of the brain. So I decided to put my creativity in a box and work really hard at law. So I was lucky enough to get a law scholarship at the University of Canterbury. And I studied really, really hard because I had to. Law was not something that came naturally to me, but through the hard work, I managed to get a summer clerkship. And then I was offered a grad position at a really great law firm. And I was in the litigation team. So once again, was sort of able to exercise, you know, the, that delivery element that what now and drama at school had taught me. But there was still this void that I wasn't listening to. And it was that strength of creativity that I had that I felt like I'd put into a box and wasn't practicing. So that was sort of the start of me needing to question, am I really being my authentic self? Am I playing to my strengths? Is this what I want to be doing? And then that's kind of where Beat and Proceed started to show up in my life, which is another another journey in itself. 
Really interesting. And very interesting, that kind of left-right brain that can, being creative and intellectual, exist at the same time. Can you have a creative career that's also financially viable, potentially? Really, really interesting. And equally, I think, interesting for for me, I've got three kids and seeing how they're the learning that they're doing at school now, I think, is more encouraging maybe of creativity and, and innovation. And we're sort of saying, well, actually, so many things are going to be done by machines one day that actually what can we bring as humans? It's creativity, but mm. that it's not always been a quality and attribute of strength that has been valued from a career perspective over time. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of your work has been shaped, I guess, around kind of community, social impact. What is it about that that really motivates you? Yeah, so... I, like what was it two two days into studying at UC the earthquake happened and mm. my experience as a university student is vastly different from those you know students that have come in after that year we were we were earthquake kids in a way and so a lot of our the campus was just covered in tents and um, we had to also university itself, I think it stopped for two weeks and the student volunteer army was in full mobilisation. So I got involved with that and I loved being a part of of this movement because you knew then and there, wow, this is this is history in the making. And it felt very powerful to be a young person contributing and being a part of this wider community. And it was through my time helping out with the Student Volunteer Army that I decided to put my hand up as president for the, the years to come in the future. So I was lucky enough to be president of the Student Volunteer Army in 2013 and 2014. And once again, that just really fueled my love for active citizenship. And I first sort of discovered that sense of active citizenship, you know, back when I studied classics at high school, and then I went on to study it at university. And active citizenship is something that the ancient Greeks really celebrated. To to be a citizen was, you know, seen as a real privilege and to take part in your community and to actually be a lover of your city was seen as just something that everyone should do. And the person who really pushed for that was this, now I'm getting off on a bit of a tangent, but here's a history, a history lesson for you. <laughs> but Pericles was strategoi of Athens during the Golden Age, so that's around like 500 BC. And Pericles was a leader that I always really, really admired. And he has this beautiful quote, which is, what you leave behind is not what is engraved in stone monuments, but woven into the lives of others. And I saw such parallels with what what he did and the leadership that he took with what Christchurch was seeing with the rebuild. And then that's when I realised, wow, like as young people and future leaders of the city, where are we playing a part in the rebuild? Who's around the table to make the decisions um, that are going to affect us in the future? So then from my time with the Student Volunteer Army, it was sort of a natural step to then put up my hand to run for the local elections. So I did, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't even realise that there was a campaign that had to happen. I had to make all my flyers and posters and go door knocking and that sort of thing. But I was lucky enough to, and very privileged, to be elected. So then I was one of the youngest elected members, but I've been representing the Fendleton Waimati Hewood Community Board now for uh, this is my third term, so I'm coming into my eighth year. And then as of this year, I was elected chair for the board. So it's a huge honour and such a privilege to, yeah, to really 
use and exercise that active citizenship. I can't think of any other way better than to be an elected member, and it's such an honour. Mm, and a great quote from Pericles, by the way. It was yeah. really nice. <laughs> and it, it strikes me through a, a lot of these interviews that I've been doing with, with women along the way, when I ask them, if, you know, what they're proudest about or their greatest successes, the majority do actually talk about almost that, their, their impact on others and sometimes those small times when they've made a difference in somebody else's lives. So that I can see how that piece of actually being woven into the lives of others, that's your legacy is, is a really nice way to put it. And now you've, I guess, been, it wasn't that you were a one-term member of the board, as you said, you're, you're, th- you're three terms in. What do you really enjoy about that? Oh, my goodness. I mean, so much. It's, well, I, one of the, one of the things I love the most is being a voice for your community, understanding what is going on at a city level. I think there's a lot that happens through council, whether it be long-term plans or climate strategy policies. And sometimes we don't get involved enough and at that local level so understanding that knowledge and being a part of that is such a privilege but the other thing that I love too is every month we have community liaison meetings and that's where stakeholders of the community come together we have a cup of tea and we hear what is going on in the community and it just it's just really inspiring to know that there are all these amazing community groups doing awesome stuff, addressing some really big issues, each playing their own wee part. And yeah, it comes back to that active citizenship. And it's, yeah, it's very special to be a part of it. Mm, it is. And I think there is obviously the benefits in there of actually that those groups may be coming together to do something good for their community, the area in some way. But I think there's also the benefit there of creating a sense of community and that mm. social side of people coming together to work when people we've there's so much talk recently about loneliness and the fact that we're sort of becoming disconnected and of course the pandemic particularly globally hasn't helped that but actually it's almost coming together for those community projects that creates that sense of connection between people as well. Definitely, definitely. There's another really great, another great quote. So this is said by Dr. Lane Perry, and he was a huge influence on my time at the University of Canterbury. And he says, it's about being a part of something that is bigger than you, but better because of you. And I think that's a huge, that's just a perfect example of what getting involved in your community means to me. Yeah, wonderful. And then, so then tell me a little bit more about the journey to beat and proceed. (laughs) Okay, strap in, Anna. (laughs) Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you for the journey. All right. So um, here I was as a lawyer and I had worked really hard to be here. I studied my butt off at university and I was that lawyer I always thought I wanted to be. And specifically, probably the lawyer that I think my dad always wanted to be as well. So... (laughs) There's a, there was a few layers to this, but mm. once again, feeling that void. And I think what really, like the, the struggle that I really felt was just constantly being surrounded by negativity. And obviously, you know, going into law, I should have been aware that you're going to be going into problems, but I just found myself feeling like I wasn't adding any value to the firm, to the client, to the world or to myself. And I just remember being so frustrated and feeling like major imposter syndrome and coming back home and wanting to put my frustration into something positive. So I decided to make a necklace, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but, obviously. Obviously. But yeah, really craving that creativity that I had put in a box. So I saw this necklace on Pinterest and it had five big beads and I thought that's what I'm going to make. So I started, I just got lost in the painting and the making and while I was in the state of flow, 
I was thinking of other ideas and projects and philosophies. And I just realized I hadn't made time to like sit down and just play. And it was such a joy. And I put my necklace on, I wore it to work the next day and I got a bunch of compliments and I had people coming up to me and saying, Bridget, where did you get your necklace from? Like, could you make me one? And I thought, well, I could, but I really wanted to share that experience that I got through making it. So I thought, what if I could start these workshops where people could come together to make a necklace or a key ring or a bracelet, but beads would be the main material. And I thought, but it had to be something positive. There's so much negativity in the world right now. Maybe we come together and we discuss big ideas and ways to improve our communities or ourselves. And that's kind of where the name came from, Bead and Proceed, because I sort of wanted to play on that idea of stitch and bitch, where people come together to, you know, knit and get crafty. But it was very negative, stitch and bitch. That's not what I wanted to do. This was bead and proceed. You know, you're proceeding to be something, you're proceeding for a better world and proceeding to be a better version of yourself. So that was the idea at the very start. And I thought, well, what does the necklace mean? Why would we be making these? What is the world struggling with at the moment? And then literally the next day, I was flipping through a magazine and I saw this framework and it was all of the colors that got to me first. I thought, oh my goodness, this is so beautiful. And then I saw that each square connected to a different goal, like climate action, gender equality, good health and well-being, zero hunger, no poverty. And I thought, what is this framework? And I looked it up and I realized the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals. And I realized New Zealand had adopted this framework back in 2015. I thought, why? Why do, like, no one knows about this? And this was around 2016. And then I just had this moment where I thought, that's it. The five beads that you paint represent the top five goals that you want to work on. So suddenly these beads were more than just bringing people together for conversation, but it was also turning into action. And this necklace and these key rings and bracelets were not just ways to anchor the learning, but also served as a commitment to the goals that you wanted to work on and also as a conversation started to help spread awareness. So that was Beat and Proceed when it first you know, started. And I sat on the idea for two years thinking it was the stupidest thing in the world. I'm like, how on earth will beads ever make a difference. And then, but I was never afraid to tell people. So I would always sort of share the idea with some friends and think, oh, what do you think of it? And then my friend, my good friend Anita was at a networking event and someone from the United Nations was there, someone from the United Nations Association Trust. And Anita told them about Beat and Proceed and they said, your friend needs to pitch to us for funding. So I did and we got the funding and then officially launched Beat and Proceed in 2019. And then I had to make that decision, do I work on this full time and see where it goes? And around this time, I was in a pretty dark place career-wise. I was very unhappy going back to that feeling of not feeling like I was adding any value. And I remember my partner and my mum kind of had to sit me down and have a bit of an intervention and just say, Bridget, where could you take Beat and Proceed if you gave it 100%? And so I did. So I've been working on Beat and Proceed now for over two years, and it has taken me to some incredible places. I've worked with some amazing businesses. It's gone far beyond the necklaces uh, and the bracelets. And yeah, it's just a, it's such a privilege to have started this idea from scratch and to see what it's turned into now. 
Wonderful. I mean, what have, you know, I hear the joy in your voice as you're talking about it, <laughs> but what do you really love about having brought this to life? What do you really love about Beat and Proceed now? Look, I, I love, I think I love, oh my goodness, that's such a good question. No one's asked me that, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> but there's many facets to Beat and Proceed that I love. I think a big part is that it plays, it's something that comes nat- naturally to me because I'm always using my strengths. I love facilitating. I love inspiring people to harness their own creativity, to use it as a tool to solve important problems. And I love the joy of seeing people, you know, go back to that tactile, creative play. Because somewhere along the way, it's bizarre, but, you know, we go through school and we paint and make and create all the time. And then somewhere along the way, society tells us that that's child's play and that we shouldn't put that to one side. Like, now we get serious. Now, now you know, we don't have time for that, but we need to make time for that because it's honestly going to be creativity, as you said, that's going to help us address these major issues. It's going to take innovation and out-of-the-box solutions and creativity sparks creativity. So there's that, but then there's also the impact of Beat and Proceed itself. So everything we do, we try and be, we try to align sustainably and ethically. So we work with this incredible organisation called Silence. So Silence make kits by hand. The kits are made out of recycled paper and the beads are made out of recycled wooden pallets. And Silence employs adults who are deaf, mute, blind or have missing limbs, often a group of people marginalised in Indian society because Silence is located in Kolkata, India. So it's a wonderful organisation that employs these artisans to have quality and safe employment. So there's all of that and there's just, yeah, it's all basically it's putting a lot of my passions and my values and my strengths into something and being able to do it every day and share it with businesses and schools and universities and counsellors. I feel very, very lucky, very privileged. Although, as you said, you actually now you're getting up and every day is exciting and you're really pleased to be doing something that feels very purposeful. I can't imagine, I'm sure there would have been some tough times along the way, even in the last couple of years or even earlier in your career. If you think about that, what have been some of your toughest career challenges or, or moments? Oh, I mean, that that moment where making that decision, do I do I pursue bed and proceed full time or not? Do I leave law? That was that was really tough. It was a um yeah, I was in a really a very dark place. And I think the what sort of added to the pressure was this feeling feeling of fear and stigma and feeling like a failure because it's it's a pretty big jump to go from I'm a lawyer to I paint beads for a living (laughs) like like, I mean it definitely sparks curiosity I suppose but I in particular I felt a lot of pressure from my dad bless bless Mark he's he's a great dad but I just don't think he understood it when I first wanted to make that transition and I remember I was so nervous telling him dad I'm gonna leave the law I'm gonna I'm gonna you know this is this is it for me and then dad's response was you're not going to do that bead thing, are you? Yes, Dad, I am. I'm going to paint beads. And I, we, we joke about it now. And Dad's starting to come around and he's he's understanding, actually. It's not about the beads. The beads are just a tool to unlock rich discussion. It's actually about engaging staff and individuals to, you know, to make behavioural change in their lives and in the workplace towards these and align align to the 17 sustainable development goals. So he's starting to understand that. But there's also people that I still meet who just don't get the concept, you know, they just don't understand the beats. 
And that's totally fine. I, I understand it can be quite confronting approaching a business and saying to them, all right, now we're going to sit down for three hours and we're going to learn these goals and we're going to paint some beads. But I always say that if if people are too uncomfortable to paint beads together, then how on earth are we going to solve these massive challenges? So the beads are sort of a test to see whether people are open-minded enough to understand that it's going to take creativity to unlock rich discussion and yeah, and come up with innovative ideas to address these challenges. Yeah, super. And I agree. I'm sure some, sometimes for some particularly more corporate businesses, the, the idea of beads might be a little bit fat. But as you say, it's about it's it's not about the beads. It's about the experience and the discussions that it, that it unlocks, which absolutely organisations, I'm sure, would understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often find for people who are maybe very purpose-driven in their work, where they really love their work, sometimes it can be hard to find some sort of balance between their work and their broader life. How do you find some sort of balance between the two? Yeah, I mean, my my balance probably comes from, yeah, do needing to take time out of Beat and Proceed. Because I love it so much, I could just talk about it all day and I'm sure my whanau and my friends get very sick and tired of me, <laughs> of me chatting about it. But I think they, they appreciate that this is this is like my little baby that I've sown the seeds and watered. So they understand that I'm excited to see it starting to take shape and grow branches and actually have some foliage on it. But to find balance, I, I love, love journaling. Uh, I journal every morning, big fan of it, just sort of writing down thoughts, feelings, emotions. As I'm a, quite a reflective person. I love to look to the past to help make decisions for the future. And then the other big thing for me is nature, getting out in nature, exercising. So me and my family and my partner, we go skiing, any opportunity we have in the winter, uh, and we love tramping. And this is going to sound so random, but me and my twin sister also, we run aerobics classes, 80s aerobics classes too. Yeah, so aerobics, competitive aerobics is something we did back in high school. And we really missed it. And so we thought, let's bring it back, but let's add a bit of a retro twist to it. So we do that every second Thursday as well. And for me, that's really just as much about spending time with my twin sister, Hannah. She's my best friend. And sometimes it can be really lonely doing Beat and Proceed by yourself. And it feels quite strange to have pursued this without her when we are so close. So that side of things gives me that groundedness, connection back to Hannah and yeah, that balance that I'm always looking for. Yeah, great. And some quite different things there, but all quite practical in terms of, okay, the journaling, tramping, getting out in nature, and then an 80s aerobics class. But, but they, they are all, they're all kind of, I can imagine, as you said, it balances a bit of reflective, a bit of active, a bit of with people, a bit of self, but they're all specific things that you can do and that you've built into your routine, which is really yeah. nice. And also a bit of fun, because what I've come to realise is doing these work, talking about these massive issues, it can, it can take an emotional toll. And sometimes it's okay to actually, I just want to do this, not to save the world. Yes, I want to help my community, but you know you can't do that all the time you can't be Batman every day and so it's also just about having fun and recognizing that you're not Batman and that's completely fine you can only do what you can do in the 24 hours that you have and to also just yeah to weave some fun into that life as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think Batman could have woven a bit more fun into his life. He had the weight of the world on his shoulders. <laughs> He's so, so serious. <laughs> exactly. So nice to see that you've been able to laugh about it and have a bit of fun in your life as well, yeah. which is which is super. As you look back on your career to date, what have been some of your proudest career moments? Oh, okay. Well, um, 
recently. I was very, very excited to have found out that I was a finalist for the Impact Awards. So the Impact part of the Festival for the Future. Last year I applied, didn't get into the finals, but this year I did. So I'm very excited to be a finalist for the global category. Other proud moments? Well, there was one that I remember being like, is this real? And I was actually lucky enough to meet Helen Clark. So she's a massive sustainable development goals fan. She is a big believer and big contributor to the framework. And she came and presented to an Otatahi Christchurch at the town hall, I believe it was 2019. I remember I got to meet her, had lunch with her. We discussed all things sustainable development goals. And I told her about Beat and Proceed. And then she, after lunch, she went to the town hall and I went to see her presentation. And I just remember at the end of her, at the end of the panel session, she, the the MC said, now, Helen, I, I believe you want to say something. And she's like, yes. And she goes, is, is Bridget Williams in the crowd? And I just froze. <laughs> and she's, and I'm like, what do I do? And she's like, Bridget, stand up. So I stood up and then she just pursued to like, she just went on to share Beat and Proceed and just started promoting promoting it. And I remember just being like, I can't believe this is happening. But that was a very pivotal moment for me because I realized that it's okay if my dad doesn't believe in what I'm doing because Helen Clark does. <laughs> so that was very special. And yeah, I mean, there's been heaps of heaps of magical moments. Seeing kids connect with these massive challenges, but also seeing them understand that they have a part to play, no matter how small or large that may be. Being invited to the Imperial Palace in Tokyo, Japan for Beat and Proceed was also an incredible moment. There's been a lot. It's been such a whirlwind. And yeah, I never would have imagined that these beads would have taken me to some incredible places and to have met some incredible people. Mm, mm, amazing. And you can't get better PR than that, than uh, Helen Clark <laughs> advocating for your, your enterprise. Pretty cool. Very but cool. I think it's also, there's, there's something in there for me. Sometimes our family and friends aren't always supportive of our dreams, I guess. Mm-hmm. And often mm-hmm. it's because they have what they perceive to be our best interests at heart. And they you know, almost want us to live not sure to keep us safe, but they they want to they want in some ways for for us to a part of I guess a parent's job sometimes is about keeping your child safe and secure as well. And so yeah. sometimes it's about looking for other people who might support your dreams, people who maybe are a bit more aligned or actually who are more your customer or your target market, and see how they feel about it. Because our family and friends are not always our best; they're not always our target market when we think about our dreams. Mm, that's so true, Anna, and and that's something that I've sort of learned along the way. So um, if anyone is starting an idea or wanting to sort of get into, you know, entrepreneurship, I've always said that you've got to surround yourself with cheerleaders because there will be plenty of challenges. And in fact, you will be your biggest challenger. Like you're going to be the one that will probably criticize the idea the most. And sometimes it's actually, while you may feel like you, it's in your best interest to hear people's feedback and take on everyone's ideas, sometimes it's actually okay just to park that and say, you know what, I need a few more cheerleaders around me. I need to be surrounded by people who actually believe in what I'm doing because I need that right now more than ever. So yeah, you're so right. And I found myself needing to find my cheerleaders and but now I feel like my dad is becoming a bit of a cheerleader. <laughs> nice. I'm sure he's yeah. hugely proud of you and what you've done. Absolutely. And you know, you've still got plenty of years of career ahead of you. Where do you see your career heading into the future? Oh, my gosh. 
I've no idea. I mean, maybe I would love to see, I mean, obviously in an ideal world, I, in some ways, I sort of want Beat and Proceed to be redundant because that means that we've achieved the sustainable development goals. But I don't know whether we will actually be on track to achieve all 17 by 2030. In saying that, though, I have found that my love for facilitating, helping businesses, helping organisations uh, grow their impact has been something that I really love and specifically using the tool of creativity and I guess cautious optimism and enthusiasm is something that I've picked up to be what I'm really passionate about. So if I could be working in those areas of, you know, consulting, behavioural change, whatever that evolution looks like after the sustainable development goals, I'll be, yeah, very, very keen to be in that space. But in saying that, you know, Beat and Proceed kind of came out of nowhere. So who knows where I will be after 2030? (laughs) Hopefully I make it. (laughs) Who knows where inspiration (laughs) might strike? And then one last question, Bridget. I'd love to hear what what career advice you might have for other women. Oh, career advice. Something that I would, okay, there's a, oh my goodness, where to start? Well, definitely I think the first, figure out and celebrate what your strengths are. So embrace your strengths. You've been given these magical gifts, so use them and ideally use them for good. I think I felt like I had put my strengths in a box and I didn't see creativity as being something that was useful. Um, but your strengths will eventually catch up to you. So use them anyway. Other career advice I would say is say yes to opportunities. Don't be afraid if if you've got an idea to share it with someone because you never know if you tell one person where that will go. That was definitely what I found out with Anita talking to someone from the United Nations. If I hadn't done that, then that connection wouldn't have been made. The other advice I would say is recognize that progress compounds. So sometimes when you're starting out an idea, if you're starting a business or starting a service, you'll put a lot of effort in and you'll expect results the next day. But that's not, it's usually the work that you do three months later where you actually see those dots joining and connecting. So just take comfort in knowing that progress does compound. And the other thing I would say is Just also, no matter how small your idea might be, sometimes the smallest ideas can have the biggest impact. When I was lucky enough to go to Japan, I remember it was like six of us from around the world were selected to share our our projects that connected on on the Sustainable Development Goals. And we had to present our ideas at this university. And I remember there were these students who were sharing their ideas around these incredible green architectural blueprints and sustainable battery power packs, which also doubled as like beautiful designed furniture and indoor solar farming. And I am sitting there going, oh my goodness, I do not deserve to be here. And then I walk on stage and I'm like, hi, I'm Bridget and here are my beads. <laughs> I just remember thinking I do not deserve to be to be in this room with these incredible people. And but I told them about Bead and Proceed and what it was and how the beads connect to the sustainable development goals. Anyway, at the end of the conference, all of the students were invited to come and talk to those who presented. And I remember thinking, no one's going to want to hear about my idea because it's just way too basic, way too simple. But I was really surprised because I looked up and there were all these students surrounding Beat and Proceed and they all wanted to see the necklace and touch the beads and see the kits. And I realised that actually there was a lot of power in how simple the idea was. And it doesn't matter how simple your idea is, it's the drive and the enthusiasm behind it. And because of the simplicity, it didn't get lost in translation. So I always hold on to that moment as 
sort of, yeah, an anecdote to remind myself that it doesn't matter how simple or how basic you think your idea is. Sometimes it's those ideas that can be crazy enough um, and simple enough to actually have the biggest impact. So anyone who is sitting on an idea and you're waiting for permission to take the leap, I'm telling you now, this is your permission, not that you need it, but go ahead and pursue um, that crazy little idea. Wonderful. And, And that's great advice. And absolutely that sometimes the simplest ideas if you execute them with energy and vision and determination, but hand can have the biggest impact. It doesn't need to be the most complex, newfangled thing to uh, to have impact. But also mm. I really loved your point, Bridget, about your strengths and tapping into those and really looking for opportunities to use them and to bring them to life. Because you're gonna you're gonna be better at what you do, but you're gonna enjoy life more along along the way. Um Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey today and really interesting to hear those twists and turns. But for me, wonderful just to hear that, that, just that wonderful joy that I can now hear in your voice from doing work that you find hugely fulfilling and meaningful and that has impact on hundreds and thousands of other people's lives. So thank you for, for sharing your story. Oh, thank you so much, Anna, for letting me share it. No, it's such a privilege to take time to reflect on where Ben and Brissade has come. And yeah, I hope this journey helps. Also, feel free to reach out to me. Anyone has listened to this podcast and they have an idea and you want to share it with someone, I'm all ears. Oh, super. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.